0: Welcome to When Pigs Fly, a podcast that's uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history dating back from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply post to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Ellie Martin.
1: And I'm your other co-host, Patrick Bailey.
0: And we have officially reached our 21st episode. And so today, I know. (laughs) So rather than having a guest interview on, we felt like it was time to give a little bit of a recap of all the folks who we've talked to thus far. Because it's been everything from history with Greg Hand talking about pig soap and beer and whiskey to solar energy to electric vehicles to blockchain. Patrick, I'll let you take over.
1: <laughs> to museums and to <laughs> you know fashion uh with gotcha packed uh to venture capital and yes. what oh. is venture capital? It's not venture capitalism, uh venture capital. Uh Ali's learned that. Um uh, also we talked to you know, creatives and freelancers uh like Anne and April in one of our latest episodes. So I'm super Super proud of what we've accomplished thus far uh, and what we've learned thus far. We've got a, a wide range of industries and a wide range of personalities that I think I've learned something from a little bit from each of them.
0: I don't know about you, but people always ask me, you know, what is your favorite episode
1: <laughs> what do you say
0: i don't have i like to say my net the next one because i don't have a favorite i think they all stand alone and i believe that everybody has their own story to tell mm. um yeah for am i to interject my opinion on their story and-
1: <laughs> yeah for me i get asked that too and i say you can't really compare them
0: has there been a couple moments that stood out to you though
1: Yeah, I think, honestly, overall, just, like, the intangibles, the point of, you know, persistence, and, you know, just... You know, keep grinding, and that this area is the perfect place to start a business mm-hmm. uh, is something that, you know, I think I've taken away. And also, I think I've taken away, you know, th- there are more similarities across different industries than there are differences. And I think that's really important to highlight.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. From problem solving to collaboration to community support and vulnerability, that one theme that ties all of those businesses and all of those industries together is the human element, right? So what fascinates me the most about our conversations is how the human element comes into play when we talk innovation and entrepreneurial growth. Yeah. As, as we shift gears in, you know, we're in 20, in the 21st century It's 2021. Now we're coming out of a pandemic work environments, look different and they're going to continue Mm. to change and that is due to so many different reasons you know our generationally we are growing in a different rate Uh, us as millennials there are less of us having children and our parents are getting older so it changes the needs and the wants of what we need as a society but then as an ai is more implemented into our business culture, how is that now affecting us? So those are all kind of also the thoughts that I think about when we have these conversations, because what does the business culture look like moving forward for you and I and future generations? I mean, it sounds crazy, but what does capitalism mean in 2030 in 2040? <laughs>
1: Exactly. And what industries are going to be mm-hmm. the industries that Cincinnati thrives on? You know, we talked about it in our history episodes, you know, it was a lot of beer. It was a lot of whiskey. Yeah. And, <laughs> but they also had a little bit of everything, too. It was a one-stop shop. They still made their own automobiles here. And, uh, you know, they had the first fire engine. And, uh, you know, yeah. west of the, what was it, west of the, the mountains right Mm -hmm. um so i think
0: well we were the we we were the rust belt you know for so long too so what does that manufacturing right
1: right it, I think, you know, that's going to talk, we're going to need to maybe explore you and I, what does robotics mm-hmm. mean? What does mm-hmm. uh, that mean for our workforce? I know we kind of touched on it a little bit in our solar panel interview mm-hmm. uh, with Tony Ranieri uh, about, you know, how are you going to upskill all those people and train them in these Training, new yeah. futuristic Education. Ways uh, and workforce development for me is going to be something interesting further to explore. And I think we kind of touched on this with Electrata almost right. They're doing mm. a totally new industry of EV chargers yeah. that's never existed until recently. But there's probably people that have worked in the automobile industry that have mm. a lot of skills that are transferable into that industry.
0: But also, who is responsible then to train right those people? I, I mm. would. Would probably say that yeah it should be the companies doing that but it also costs a pretty penny but we also live in a digital world where it is a lot easier to create just content you know I come from the content creation side yeah create content to educate educate people on a larger scale quicker than ever before Mm. and I mean take YouTube for example we could be watching how to become the best baker and next thing you know we're baking artisan breads in our kitchen which is pretty cool but that just shows you the power of the digital world and it's been a common theme that I've seen throughout a lot of stories that I've had the chance to tell that many people will have a main source of income whatever that might be but then a lot of folks a lot of those people have picked up a side hobby or a side hustle with the hopes of maybe one day turning that, hide, that side hustle into a full-time gig. So how do we become a city of makers? Well look at April and
1: Ann I think they're yeah. the ones that could be a good example for those people. they kind of did their you know consulting on the side starting out just for fun and then mm-hmm. turned it into a full-time gig uh, and you know they're attracting talent from across the country and you know job opportunities from across the country because of their projects are not just here in Cincinnati no. so they're kind of almost you know ambassadors. For our city, mm-hmm. uh, with their work ethic and the remote lifestyle, and po- you know, I think obviously we talk a lot about COVID just because post-pandemic, post-pandemic. but it's, it's it is, is so you know the revert you know the remote workforce is going to be here to stay. How do we keep that talent? How do we keep that talent here? How do we b- say, hey, you know, this is the place for you to come to not only have that side hustle, but also to work remote and then still keep do your side hustle at night, right? Like you yeah. said, that city of makers. And I think like we were makers, right? You know, starting out Procter and Gamble, like made soap, literally. Um, and we made, well, a little <laughs> bit of everything. Exactly. And so how do we get back in touch with that? I don't know what the right answer is on that, to be honest. And maybe that's something that we can explore in our future episodes.
0: Definitely. And it goes back to your point, though. Okay, so mobility, right? We live in a mm. digital world. You have, I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but you hear people leaving New York, cities like New York, San Fran, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, because they don't want to spend $6,000 to live in a pizza box and they're, you know, tired of crashing on your friend's couch. Yeah. Not to say that there's still not incredible opportunity in those cities, and I think there always will be because they are ahead of the curve in many aspects of things. But I think it goes back to the comment that I made before of work ethic is changing, I think, in our generation. How much are we actually wanting to grind all the time? Mm. Um, Relationships matter to us people and is this just a quick side effect and a quick blimp of post-pandemic that people are moving home and are they planning on going back or do they plan on trying to live in a place that's a little bit more cost effective a little bit more affordable you still get the taste of a city but you can you know get on the outskirts and experience trees like leaves are good birds are good you know we (laughs) like trees and leaves and in, in in a way Cincinnati is actually really set up for, for it, it, we're in a perfect position for that. Um, we, and I don't mean we, to go all like hippy-dippy here either, but we talk about climate change. I don't wanna be, in no offense, California, I don't wanna be in California where good luck finding water, f- fires, more earthquakes. Yeah. A lot of those coastal cities, you give it a couple more decades from now, who knows what's gonna happen? I think we could potentially see more of an influx into the Midwest.
1: It's funny that you brought up this influx and you know talent thing because recently on LinkedIn, I know you're not as active on LinkedIn as I am. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we're slowly working on that. It's not, uh, my, it's <laughs> not my channel. I'm a visual person.
0: <laughs> She's definitely the more creative. <laughs> no, no, no.
1: <laughs> but yeah, uh, no. But on LinkedIn, Cincinnati was at the bottom ten because they of like tech talent, because they actually lost tech talent to other cities.
0: Yeah. And then when you hear that, I'm thinking, what world am I living in?
1: Right. They're going to Cleveland. They're going to Madison. They're going And, and those aren't even like just sunnier areas. I mean, Ugh. granted, a lot of people are going to Texas and Florida um, overall, like towards the south and Colorado. Um, but, you know, why are they still going to Madison? Why are they still going to Cleveland? You know, what are we missing? maybe that's something again going back to we need to explore that some more
0: we do and i had read via the u.s bureau of labor statistics too which i think correlates back to um, my comment about manufacturing the 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 rust belts States, right? Mm-hmm. We were so heavy in manufacturing for so long that they found a decline in job growth in the the Rust Belt states and those cities who were heavy in manufacturing. Which I think is interesting because mm-hmm. are we not pivoting? Because a lot of that meant a lot of the manufacturing jobs went overseas, right? We live in a global yeah. economy now, so we haven't pivoted fast enough, probably into the digital space like we need to. So then, yeah, yeah, then what do our, yeah, so then what what are are those industries? What are we good for?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I think like we're starting to see that. Like we do have gotcha, we talked to gotcha patch, we talked to a crew, like Mm -hmm. two totally different ideas that you don't think would be here in Cincinnati. But, you know, consumer products are huge here. And there's a ton of property and redevelopment happening here. So maybe it's a time for real estate investment. And actually, there's a ton of prop tech. So property tech to be, for, yeah, for those yeah. that don't know what prop tech is, it's is huge here right now. Maybe we are going to be a hub for real estate technology. Mm. Who knows? Um, but I think, you know, there are things that like you and I can do, what, you know, active members of the community can do and that city can do and the state can do to enhance that.
0: The, and I'm kind of shifting gears here, but as soon as you said real estate, it just kind of sparked my thought process about, our neighborhoods that we live in, right? Because mm. if someone were to move here, what can they expect from our real estate quote-unquote inventory, I guess? And <laughs> if they wanted to settle here full circle, I hope, you know, we bring in more of those types of jobs in the tech world and I hope we again we can retain that. But if yeah. they do move here from an urban planning standpoint, what does that also look like for our city? One of those things, one of the comments that really stuck out stood out to me And Greg Hand said this at the very end of our very first podcast. Two things. Number one, getting more young people in politics. Mm. eh, I'm so eh, about politics and politicians, but that's a conversation (laughs) for another day. Um, (laughs) You can take that as you will. And number two, our transportation system. I think any big city has multiple means of mass transit. But Mm. what does that look like for a city like Cincinnati where we're so car dependent? What does that mean for our individual neighborhoods, 50 plus neighborhoods? And that's not including Northern Kentucky. So, you know, Bellevue, Newport, Covington, Dayton, all of that. And I think our neighborhoods actually make us really unique and really special Mm. because of the history behind each one. And I think as we grow and develop each neighborhood is kind of creating their own character. But connecting the neighborhoods is also really important. So how are we doing that?
1: How are we doing that indeed? I think... We're not. um, That's the problem. (laughs) We're currently not. We're not. But... (laughs) <laughs> but you know, I think that's a good thing for to go talk to real estate developers mm-hmm. like Chris Fretkin and be like, "Hey, like, what are you seeing in your neighborhoods mm-hmm. that you develop in? What, what is that form of transportation that would help the most?" Okay. I know we joked at the end of our episode with Brad Hill from American Legacy Tours that, like, yeah. oh, like and you I could definitely talk to it, him for. I don't think you could even talk to him for another yeah. two hours. It, it. Yes, yeah. it didn't make it into the episode. We talked about transportation. Oh my gosh! Yeah. He brought up a point. That high-speed railroads have already, like, thing thing of the past. Like, we got to be thinking beyond that. I
0: know. And then as soon as he says, he goes, autonomous cars. And I'm like, dang it. He's right. Right, he is right. right. Maybe know. it
1: is like building out a fleet of autonomous cars. And Ali, you and I are part of this like autonomous cars club, where you know as long as like you have your app, you're good to go, and you don't really own a car, but this car is part of that membership that will come to pick you up, and they have hundreds of people going across the, the city, and you just kind of sign up for your time to go, and it'll take you to wherever you want.
0: But here's the thing: autonomous cars are still so new that we don't even know what that structure is gonna Mm. look like, right? So cities like New York and San Fran and Boston, and even overseas in Singapore, London and elsewhere, they've been testing autonomous cars on the road since what, 2016, 17, 18, and it's still really new. We're only in 2021. So how do we as a city get in early enough where we can spearhead autonomous cars. I think that would be huge for a city like Cincinnati, and I think we're built for autonomous cars. We're such a car-driven city. Imagine what we could do with all of those parking garages that we have all throughout town. They're flat floors, a lot of high ceilings. Maybe they could be converted into apartments and housing. We're in a housing shortage right now. Mm. You know, I like to think it could force us to reevaluate how we design our cities and how we physically move through our spaces. So does that decrease congestion? Will we begin to do ride sharing? Will people want to do ride sharing? Or are we going to get into a position where everyone's going to want an autonomous car and we're back to square one with the same exact amount of cars on the road? But if we do ride sharing, could we potentially do some sort of like a curbside passenger loading zone in, in multiple areas? Does, you know, if you were to see... Metro bus stations, right? Do they become autonomous car stations? So rather than you having to wait at a bus stop for 15 minutes, there is a constant revolving door of autonomous cars and autonomous vehicles.
1: I think that's a great you know, question to pose. I think you're going to, I think, then see a growth within the city center itself again, because then that means less traffic. And then so they're going to be more willing to go downtown uh, and take a commute every day. So I think, you know, there are a lot of considerations in place, and a lot of players to you know bring in to make this happen. I know Pittsburgh, which is a very similar city to us, another river city, very historic rust belt city. They already have this on their streets. You go walking in Pittsburgh, you see a car driving driving itself. It's, it's, it's kind of scary. Yeah,
0: which is you do it, you do You're a like, double take, right? Cause it's very it's very foreign to us, and I think that's you know. The one thing that I could think could hinder us is our classic Cincinnati way. Ten right? years we behind, stuck ten in years ways behind the rest of the country. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it could be frustrating. You know, Is it a bad thing that other cities are testing it first? Maybe not. But I think it's smart if we can get on that list sooner rather than later. Um, you did make a comment about more people flocking to cities I think that's a yes and a no statement. Mm. I don't know. I feel like post-pandemic people like their space because of the fact that we're working from home more, people need more space, but we not everybody necessarily can afford that space in the city. So in order for them to afford more space because they maybe have a young family and they also need an office, and in order to have that, they have to move outside so will full circle? Will the autonomous cars reach that far? Um, that also being said, our you know our, our direct 54 neighborhoods, I would love to see be connected more. But in addition, uh, also the outskirts of our tri-state around that 275 loop, I still think we get. It, it's tough to get people who live in the suburbs downtown. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. I mean, there's still also some fun things to do out in the burbs as well. Um, or I hope that people in the burbs don't think that inside the city is a scary place to be. So what's the easiest? And, and does just is transportation part of that issue that, okay, if you're going down for a Reds game, you're having a couple beers, you don't want to get in the car and drive back. Totally. And you also don't want to necessarily, but what is that going to cost you?
1: True. So I think, you know there, again, it goes, that goes back to there's a lot of, players in that space alone. And I think, you know, that's something what you've, you and I have kind of also just learned while we're doing this. There's a lot of players in the Cincinnati business and innovation ecosystem, right? You know, it, it might not be your traditional entrepreneurs. It, it might not be, uh, you know, the, you know, it could be the mom and pop shops. It could, it might not be the PNGs, right? But, you know, there's Mm -hmm. all these different players. There's people that are doing freelancing and there's people that are investing into these companies, right? The money side of things alone should be something maybe we need to discuss more, too, in sense of how are we going to fund?
0: Follow the dollar. Yes.
1: How are you going to fund people with these amazing ideas and how are we going to bring that into Cincinnati? You know, I think on the Generator podcast episode, you know, they talked about, you know, Ohio has the third frontier funds. That's our tax dollars, Allie. And right now, they've limited who those gatekeepers are, on who and how that money is allocated, which is kind of crazy to think about that like our tax dollars is being are being decided by other organizations. And so, um from a personal standpoint, um how do we I guess democratize that? And then there's some even some organizations here that invest in startups outside of Cincinnati. How do we keep that capital local? I don't know. I think, you know, it's part of the reason why you and I started this podcast is to raise awareness of these issues and to get people thinking bigger and kind of tooting our own horn a little bit that like, hey, Cincinnati is the place to be to start a business. It is the place to be to be innovative. It is the place to be to, you know, even have just your mom and pop shop because people will support it. You have this big community. And I think that's like another intangible that I want to like kind of tap in on a lot of these places probably couldn't have started anywhere else right because they built out yeah, these communities yeah. that support one another i think the city does a great job supporting those that want to start here
0: we have a very unique business culture in that mm. sense where i feel like there's a lot of lending a helping hand which is really great you know when you go to some of those major cities i mean i can't I, again take the, take what i'm saying with a grain of salt here too because i'm sure there's a lot of you know neighborhood helping hand business business hmm. as well um, but on the scale that people connect here at least my personal experience can't speak on behalf of all the other cities I think it's pretty strong but there's you know I will say there's a but we are fantastic but bringing people here and getting them to stay and promising that actionable execution that the, the job security is it going to be there and is the city that you hope that it can live up to
1: and I think we you, you both <laughs> you and I both hope so and I think it can be um, but obviously I think there is work work to do not only on like equity side of things but also just from uh, education side of things of hey you know this is what probably needs to be done in order for our city to grow to be you know its best version of itself
0: Yeah. And I think that leads me to kind of some of my final thoughts and closing thoughts, especially around moving forward. You know, who are the who are the people and the businesses that we want to continue to talk to? I really would like to to dive more on the education Mm, side. I
1: love that. I love that. And, you know, for me, I want to kind of explore. We had a whole bunch of manufacturing in the city. What happened to it? How do we get you know more manufacturing jobs back to this area? How do we maybe lean in on that as an industry and being an innovator in this industry in the sense of like clean, autonomous, you know, manufacturing? It's there. It's just how do we get the city yeah. on board? Yeah, and are we living think, in this dream
0: world too? I like to I like to right? come back down to earth here and say, "Ooh, <laughs> this is such a wonderful, great plan, and all is fine and dandy." But I like to also be what is practical action? So.
1: practical action yes what can our listeners you and i included Mm -hmm. uh take away from each of these episodes and implement and maybe even promote to affect change in the city for the better i think think it's also just being present and
0: engaged is is number one mm -hmm. if you if you feel strongly about something right and work on why we started this and speak speak your speak up you know, and engage in your, in your local meetings. Speak your
1: truth. Yeah. You know, I think it goes back to Jay's episode of being like, you know, even in your work today, you got to speak your truth. And mm-hmm. I think, you know... If there's something that you see in your community, in your workspace, in your, you know, area, like we would love to talk more about it. Reach out to us at, you know, host at whenpigsfly.fm. That's host, H-O-S-T-S, at whenpigsfly.fm. It's plural, so I just had to emphasize that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. We're active on all of them. And thank you so much to the listeners who have reached out to us on We'd those platforms yes so give us your feedback thank you to those who have rated and given us feedback thus far we really loved it tell us which episodes you would like to hear more of if there's anybody you would like Ali and i to you know maybe like quiz on here and grill <laughs> uh, totally give us some <laughs> recommendations topics, yeah that you want yes us to dive yes into if more. you if you want to get excited about autonomous vehicles like Allie, maybe that's I, something we need to riff more on. I know. On. <laughs> uh, I just, I have a thing for
0: transportation, so. <laughs> I love that. But that's what I'm moving it. on. <laughs> and,
1: and, and on that note, I think, Allie, it's time. To post. Cheers. Cheers. And here's some necessary legal stuff. Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company, LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or other financial interest in the companies which appear on this show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the E.W. Scripps company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employ us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment or legal advice on this show. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: We also want to give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync.